Hello world, it's the Ladies of Nerditude. My name's Francine. And I'm Jill. And this week we are going to be talking about the Netflix series Sweet Tooth that just recently came out at the beginning of the month. So if you have not watched the show yet, um, it's eight episodes, you can binge it in a weekend. But stop now, spoilers ahead. We are not going to hold anything back in plot-wise, so uh, come back after you've watched the show if you haven't watched it yet. Yeah. So um, let's talk about your experience with the show a little bit because you and I had different experiences. We did. Uh, so I guess first of all, when I, I will say this. When I was scrolling through Netflix and it first came out, and I saw the like trailer thing mm -hmm. for it. I was not interested. Mm. Okay, it, it did not grab me at all, and I'm not even really sure why. I guess maybe because I felt like it was a little X Men ish, mm. and but uh, maybe kind of like that. I don't know. And then also just like anything post-apocalyptic or whatever right now is it just triggers my anxiety so I was like I'm probably gonna give that a pass yeah. and you're like oh man we should watch that and I was like okay I'm probably just being a little whiner and I should just I should just watch it it's, you know it's eight episodes whatever um I got through the first episode and that I had to power through um, and I mostly watched it for Will Forte, yeah. so that, that didn't pan out great for me, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it wasn't that I don't, I, it's not that I didn't like any of the characters that were introduced, it wasn't that I didn't like the concept of the story or anything, it's just that right now, for me, it's too real. Yeah. It's too triggering for my anxiety. And so I had to stop watching it. Yeah. And you did your research. Yeah. So I just like read <laughs> to see what happens. And I, I think that if I had watched more of it, I probably would not have <laughs> had a very good weekend. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. No, and I, I bring it up not to you know, like call you out on your not doing the homework. Um, not at all, but more like, because I, I feel like that our two experiences were very typical of how viewers probably reacted to this show. Like either you watched Absolutely. the, yeah, like you watched the first episode and you were like, this is great. What a cute story about like this boy and this man and like this sort of like found family which is was my reaction to it aside from like oh shit the stuff about the sick is a little bit too real um but there's that whole other side of people who were into the show and were like okay i want to watch it maybe they read the graphic novel maybe they didn't mm. but when they got to seeing it on screen it was so reflective of what the last year has been like that they just had to nope out yeah and like, I get that every, like I did some research online after watching it and it seems like every website and every like review and, and everywhere I went to look on the internet, there were those two groups of people, people who were like, it's one of the best shows of 2021. And then people who were like, I couldn't even watch it. Yeah. So I feel like we're a little microcosm of, <laughs> of, look the, at that. of the world's reaction to this show. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean the the sick part of it absolutely um obviously would have hit home for everybody mm -hmm. right now, but also just I don't know cuz that's how my anxiety goes it's like oh my god, like what like that got to be such a possibility mm -hmm. and and then it just is like yeah, it makes you just I don't know, it just like trips my panic button and I go, "Oh my god, like what would I do? Where would I go? What if I never saw my people yeah. ever again yeah or you know that kind of thing or like you know do you run to the woods do you try to stay home and make it like I don't know like what do you do mm -hmm. and so I just was like nope nope <laughs> I don't think about I'm gonna it. go I'm gonna go watch Ink Master and pretend life is yeah. fine yeah and so. I I mean I think that is the at the same time that I'm like oh shit that's so real like that could have totally happened part of my brain is like 
would the great crumble really happen in the world? I mean, like we, we went through 2020 and the apocalypse did not come. We got close, but the apocalypse did not happen. <laughs> so I kind of, I'm like of two minds about the apocalypse that occurs in this show. Maybe it was the, the sick and the hybrid children at the same time. That was like the double whammy. But there has to be some other X factor going on here that caused like society as a whole to collapse because being so real with the sick, feeling so truthful to, to reality, we didn't, you know, go to the place of like roving bands of <laughs> renegades, like the Mad Max type place, but we got scarily close. Well, and I think that's the thing is it was just like, no, no, because like I could distance myself from those sorts of things a little bit more in the past. It still like made me really tense, mm -hmm. like um, big fan of the Hunger Games. Mm -hmm. And I thought those were really great books, really well done movies, all that stuff. But it was like kind of like this could happen, but like it would have to be extreme right? nuclear war circumstance, that kind of thing. And But this one, because I think it was centered around a sickness i was like i don't really <laughs> like yeah. this um because you're right we we're still working out some stuff <laughs> for sure but you know it didn't get to that point thank heaven yeah but like for real um yeah that's just where my brain goes is like it because i'm just so wired to expect the worst mm -hmm. um that that was just like, I felt like I was going to hit all my buttons. And so I was like, I'm just going to let Francine <laughs> do all the talking on that one because I can't handle this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing that got me, which I feel is really truthful, whether the actual apocalypse comes and like society crumbles or not, was the people's distrust of each other. Like when we see the Sings and their neighborhood where they live and kind of mm -hmm. like that idea of being privileged, but the the sick coming for you anyway, like it doesn't care that you're rich and you live in a fancy gated community and that you're like all presumably healthy because you have access to health care. Like it's a virus. It doesn't care. It's Tom Hanks got COVID. Tom Hanks got COVID. I'm just saying. <laughs> and he's the most pure person ever. Um, <laughs> but you know that idea, it was very like Mask of the Red Death to me. And I really liked it, even though it was so super real. Like here are these people during a time of like a presumably contagious disease. We're not really sure how contagious the sick is. It seems like people think it's contagious. And that's enough to make everybody really scared. My understanding was that it is contagious because Pubba got it from that dude that he killed out in the woods, mm. I thought. Yeah, that's possible. It's totally possible. But it's like, what does it – I don't feel like we really know what it takes to catch it, you know? like I'm also not really sure what it does besides make your, tw uh, your finger twitch. Mm -hmm. It seems like it makes you really, really sick and then you die. Um, well, that's, yeah, <laughs> like that's but as I, much as they I mean. kind of describe it, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's this, this like thing that's just this horrible disease, but we don't even get to see what it looks like when someone is like really sick with it, like later on, because it seems like they just get exterminated like hella fast so that they don't pass it on to anybody else. So it's difficult to even know what it does do you like waste away for months and months do you go into a coma and you die pretty quickly like there's I, we don't we're not really treated to that journey in season one we just see like the intense fear that people have of anyone showing the first symptoms which is like the shaky finger and um and that's it that's enough to make people freak out which is pretty serious um you know but like Dr. Singh says that he brought it home to his wife because he was taking care of the kids. Right. And then – so that seems to me like maybe he thinks that the – well, and a lot of people think that the hybrid children caused the sick. 
Um, cause they, they happen to happen around the same time. I was going to say, I, mean, <laughs> I did try to put myself in those shoes when I was watching it and to be like, okay, so both of these weird things are happening mm-hmm. at the same time. I don't think I would blame the children. I would think that would like in my head, my, my thought process would be the women who were carrying those kids must've had mm. it or something. And like, I would think it was a result of the virus. Very possible. Yeah. That was my first thought. I'm not a scientist. So. (laughs) Yeah. That was my first thought too when I was watching the show was like, why did they think that the hybrid kids caused the sick? Why not the sick causing the hybrid kids? Doesn't that just logically seem to make more sense? But then I think back on it and I'm like, okay, there were no regular human children being born anymore. So that probably freaked people out really hardcore. And here are these like very different, like mutant children. I was going to say that's all I could think of was the X. That's all it takes. Yeah. It's just like, oh my gosh, panic, fear of the other. Like, that's it. That's enough for people to be like, they're the problem. Stamp them out. They're the issue. And I was like, well, isn't that a sad commentary on (laughs) humanity? But it does make sense. When you think about it from that perspective, like you just got this like panicky big group of people who are like dropping from the sick and here are these like mutant children that just become a target. For Well, okay. So I read all the stuff that I could find, but did they address in the show and maybe I just missed it? Um, can those kids get the sick? We don't really know um, at this point because I don't think anyone has tested, like, purposefully giving it to them that we know of, at least. Okay. Because I was going to say, that would be my next question Mm -hmm. if I were were a scientist. I'd be like, if if they are (laughs) immune, that would be good to know. Mm -hmm. But then, because if they are immune and we just killed all the kids who we could potentially, like learn from right that was a good move there mm-hmm. people yeah right like you, you went and killed all of the people that could help you um mm-hmm. what we do know from the other doctor in her notebook is that these kids these mutant children they seem to have uh, they call it the secret sauce in the show they have a there's a combination of body parts to for lack of a better more eloquent term that you can mix together into a cure for the sick so you take these children because they're all children and you basically Mm -hmm. like cut up and grind up pieces of them and mix it together and it cures the disease so at least first of all (laughs) that's horrible right figure that out yeah they figured it out by like Nazi experimenting on these kids. That's literally how they figured it out. She has like a notebook of horrors that. So she's like Mangala. Pretty much. Yeah. And she passes that notebook down to Dr. Singh, whose wife is sick. And now he's got this like moral quandary. Like he basically knows the way to save everyone. But it takes murdering, literally murdering a bunch of children to do it. And because they went in a murder spree in the past against these children, there aren't that many left. So they've got a supply and demand problem on top of it being morally reprehensible. It kind of brought me to like a happening place, you know, where it's like, well, is this nature correcting human behavior? Given that like the sick and the cure showed up at the same time. That's kind of nature's systematic, you know, like way of doing things. But what it takes to cure humans is pretty horrible. It's pretty disgusting. Especially when you say they're all children. They're all 10 years old because that's when it started happening. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty freaking awful. Like that is – to me, that's the moral center of the show is like this issue and you've got these horrible people 
the the men, the sort of army guys um, who are going around like gathering up these children and just kind of being horrible, like generally horrible people. Um, and they're empowered to do that because the world is ending. So they can just like they have power, they have resources, they can do they're called the last men. They can do whatever they need to do to either kill these children or it seems like they're also selling them to be experimented on. Um, so like how many did they kill versus like how many did they sell? I don't know. But I don't think it really matters because either way they're horrible. Um, yeah. You know, like it, whatever you were doing, like you're still – you're literally like child killers and that's not cool. Like just – I don't care what you're doing else that you think is good. Like you're awful. Um but you've got that – that is like a reaction to this situation. You know, like we'll, we'll, we'll organize ourselves. We'll solve two problems at the same time potentially. Mm-hmm. And they are like obsessed with this research to cure the sick. At least their, their general is, General Abbott. He's pretty – he's like really after the book and like after the original scientist who did, did the work. I forget her name. Dr. Bell. Dr. Bell, yes. And she has cancer, so she decides to retire. um, And she gives her research over to Dr. Singh. And now it's his problem, as far as she's concerned. Um, But she leads them, she leads the last men straight to him, which is, she's a pretty terrible person, in my opinion. I, I, you know, (laughs) I think that's a safe thing to say. I didn't even watch the damn thing. And just from the uh, descriptions, I was like, this Dr. Bell. Yeah, she's a dick. (laughs) <laughs> she's horrible sounds pretty awful yeah like you're literally making your career like cutting up children to try to like solve the world's problem and that seems to be her like her rationalization for what she's doing is like well it's it's a sacrifice that you make in order to like save the world but that is pretty messed up like that blinds you to what you're actually doing <laughs> Which is awful. Like, what you're actually doing is awful. She has to, like, to, and Dr. Singh kind of struggles with it, too, but it seems like he sort of tipped to this side, too, is that you have to, like, div- divorce yourself from their humanity. Like, these hybrid kids, it's handy that they look partially like animals because it allows you to, like, pretend that they're not people. Mm-hmm. There's even that conversation that they have of, like, can the hybrids talk? Do they speak? And it seems like there's this rumor that they don't. They can't talk. But they clearly can. So they're just sort of like making it very easy to hunt them like animals instead of treat them like human children, which is also really supremely messed up. Um, But that's an – it's interesting. It's an interesting, uncomfortable moral place for the show to put us. Especially when the main character is one of these hybrid children. And we love him so much. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. I liked him. Gus, he's precious. He's so adorable. But like a child, like any child, especially a child raised in isolation, he's really trusting. He's like really positive. (laughs) Bless his little heart. The world does not work that way. And that is really – I was constantly afraid that he was in danger, like, every time they met someone else. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be it. Like, they're going to be in huge mega danger because he will just talk to anybody. He will, like, try to make friends with anybody for the most part. Like, obviously, there are some adults that he's scared of and he kind of, like, learns to be scared as the show goes on of, like, certain people. But he is just, like – he wants to make connections with people. He's just so pure of heart and it's precious. Um, but, oh my gosh, I just felt so bad for him the whole show. I was like, are these going to be the people that are going to turn on you? How do you know these people are good? You're just like telling them about your life. Check out my antlers. I'm so cute. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Stop talking to strangers. Check out my antlers. <laughs> he like didn't even really hide who he was for the most part until big man tells him that he has to in certain situations. He like, doesn't even, he's so truthfully who he is 
because no one ever explained to him that that's dangerous. It was just like all about like you see a human, you run, you hide, like you don't talk, you just go. He never really seemed to understand that like it's because of who he is, that he's different and that that's what's dangerous. And it's, oh, it's just so, such a deep metaphor <laughs> for so many things. And I really, and he is just such a magnetic character. Like the kid who plays him is so good. Yeah. Oh my he gosh, is. he's so good. That you're immediately like, you just want to like take this little deer hybrid child and just like protect him forever. Christian Cud Cunbury? Mm -hmm. I'm probably not saying that right. Yeah, I don't know Cunbury. how to. Cunbury? I don't know how to pronounce it. Sorry. Um, but they better put out season two quick because he's going to get really big really fast. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's like Bambi is going to be <laughs> yeah, the king of the forest soon. Yeah, he's going to go and have these like giant antlers and like be 20 by the time Netflix puts out another season. They better they better move it along. Kid actors are hard um, unless they do like a time jump or something like that. Um. But he does, unfortunately, lose his dad. Will Forte does not make it very far into the show. I know you were watching it for him. And he, unfortunately... Partly. I, well, because I was also curious. I I don't know if he's done other serious things. Mm. But I have only ever known him uh, to be in comedy. And yeah. I think he's hilarious. But I think that... I am always really impressed with the dramatic performances that a lot of uh, comedians turn in. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I just kind of wanted to check it out and see if, you know, Will Forte was on like the level. Cause I think like Bill Murray's really good at it or, um, you know, Robin Williams was really great at mm -hmm. it things like that. So I was just curious to see that. And I thought, I thought he did awesome. He was so good. Yeah. Hell yeah. He was great. And I, like, you are just immediately, it's like this very Spielbergian, like, father and son kind of relationship. And I was not expecting him to die so early. I didn't think it would be that early, or I thought it was going to be that he was going to get <sighs> kind of like, um, kidnapped or mm -hmm. something and he was gonna be yeah. the reason that gus went out into the world yep like he would get lost and they would have to go find him but they switched it up and he has to go find his mom after his dad passes away he doesn't have to but he decides all, that he wants to it's all very finding nemo it is it's very finding nemo oh my gosh yes <laughs> it's very and you know at netflix and many other uh networks and things like that they love an orphan and here we are with the orphan story. Well, yeah. Well, because, okay. So when I was studying literature in college, um, there's actually a reason most main huh. characters are orphans. Do tell. Um, it makes it easier to tell a story. Mm. Because if your protagonist doesn't have parents who are always looking over their shoulder and telling them what to do or they're around to save the day mm. or that kind of thing. Um, it's more of the character versus the situation or the world or whatever's going on. And so that is why you've got Harry Potter, Luke mm -hmm. Skywalker, like Katniss Everdeen, all of them. They're orphans or very close to it. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Look yeah, at you using so, your English degree. And they said it wouldn't pay <laughs> off. Here it um, is, the fruits of your labor. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm glad I decided not to be an English teacher. But yeah, so that's that's the mm. thing is like it's a big reason that most characters in a lot of things are either an orphan or disconnected from their family in some way. So like even again, finding Nemo, even though his his mother passed away, but he still has his dad, mm -hmm. but they get separated, and so Nemo's on his own. Yeah. So he's, in effect, still in the same situation. Mm -hmm. It, like, forces them to learn about the world and, like, kind of grow up. 
yeah. in a way that they wouldn't if they were protected by their parents. That makes sense. Yeah, and it's in Harry Potter, it's why he keeps losing all of the adults mm-hmm. that have been helping him. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's it's from what I could tell, same situation here was that it was it had you had to throw Gus into the world without knowing like anything about what was going on and yeah he has big man Mm -hmm. to an extent but it's not the same as a parent yeah yeah totally and that relationship that sort of like he he kind of like gathers up more people as the show goes on but there are like the first family that they go and see is this like nice little family it's two parents and a and a child and they live in the big like lodge at Yellowstone National Park you didn't get this far in the show but that's actually where they live they live in this like huge visitor center so they like have well, they score yeah they just have like piles and piles of like sweatshirts for they like give them sweatshirts when they first come in because they have all of this like merch for Yellowstone National Park they sleep in canoes it's really cute but they and it's almost like the mom becomes like a surrogate mom to him for a little mm-hmm. bit like they have a kid that's a little bit older than him but like one of the last human children who would have been born um and so they took their baby and they ran when everything went to shit. Well, yeah. You know, so they're very, like, isolated and they're they're actually safer that way as far as they're concerned. Um, and they don't really want them to show up. They don't really want Gus and Big Man to, like, be there because it's dangerous for them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want anybody that I didn't know. Right. Especially a hybrid. Like, they know that he's a hybrid. They don't hide it. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is it would also be like, hey, kid, I feel bad for you, but you know what? It looks like you've got somebody already protecting you. You guys need to keep going because now you're making all of us a target, and I'm... Yeah, and that's kind of the struggle of that whole episode is, like, they're nice people. They are, like, a, a true, like, nice family. There's nothing evil about them. And I was afraid that they were evil for the longest part of that episode. I was like, these bitches are going to be evil. But they're not. They're just. Well, your mind would go there because of like The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. Everybody that they encountered. Like that was another reason I stopped watching that show (laughs) was every time they ran into somebody new, I was like, well. Yeah. Like you just assume they're evil. (laughs) (laughs) It gives you distrust, which puts us in the same frame of mind as like everyone in that world. You know, is like you, Mm -hmm. you don't know these people. They're strangers to you. So you can't trust them. But Gus, bless his little heart, he's so damn endearing. We talked about this before the episode. Dear endearing. Ha <laughs> um, <laughs> Good one. That the mom actually like starts to think of him a little bit as like a, a little orphan child that she's going to like take care of. And she lets them like sleep – the two boys like sleep in the same canoe and they like share like drawings. And it's just – it's very cute and it's like he gets adopted into their little family – but then last men show up and they have to like murder everyone <laughs> and they realize like big man literally goes outside in the rain and like murders everyone to protect Gus. And at that point they're like, we have to go because we're just going to keep getting hunted the entire time. Like they can't stay and settle down and be like with anyone else because right. it's not safe. Like they put this family's life in danger just by existing Mm-hmm. And that's really sad. Originally, Big Man was going to leave Gus there to be like adopted by the family because he thought that he would be safe because who would ever know that they were even there? But they knew that they were there and they had to leave. And it was very yeah. – oh, it was really sad. Well, it, it just takes one person. Like, okay, because I think a little bit of my suspension of disbelief cracked for part of the story because it was like – you mean to tell me that in all of Yellowstone Park, there's nobody else around, mm. really, to come and find you in those 10 years? That just seemed really odd to me because I would feel like in a situation like that, a lot of people would leave the city. They mm. would all go be going to national parks or out in the wilderness and all that kind of stuff. So I just, I was like, oh, really? There's nobody nearby, but... 
putting that aside for a second, like my heart about stopped when that one guy showed up Yeah, and, and was out there in the woods and he was like, I don't, I'm not alone. And all I could think was like, that's how women feel Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Completely had a stick and was pretending it was a gun. Like, like if you, if you are a person who has never had that moment of a, being a terrified woman where you're just like, this person could really hurt me mm-hmm. and you have to pretend that everything's, you're in control of this yeah. situation. Like, I'm a badass. Totally. Watch that scene. <laughs> Watch that scene because that is just how it feels. And you're like, yeah, my heart was just like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And like, I thought maybe Gus was going to watch his dad get murdered. Yeah. Is what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. It was really scary. Like you just, you feel scared the entire time because every oh, yeah. person is potentially scary. Exactly. And and that would be the thing, like going back to being in the lodge and not wanting anybody to stop there is like, because you don't, unless you knew them in the before time, mm-hmm. I would a hundred percent doubt any person who showed up, even if they turned out to be just fine or whatever, because that guy just seemed like, oh, I'm just, I'm out here looking for my sister. Mm-hmm. And then he tagged the fence. Yep. So it's like. He's a giant liar. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you're probably not alone. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. And- I understand why they moved on and why they had to. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it, like I go back to the Sings and their little like neighborhood. These are people mm-hmm. who did know each other. They do know each other. They regularly hang out together. But as soon as somebody is sick or they even suspect somebody is sick, the whole community turns on you and literally burns your house down with you inside of it. You can't even trust the people that you have dinner with every week. Oh, no. Yeah. That's, like, fuck that that's shit. Absolutely. Um, that's I guess crazy. kind of <laughs> – kind of equate it to the walking dead where it's like you you only have a couple of people from the before times that you mm-hmm. would trust on that level i think but yeah yeah i'm not gonna say everybody that i know right now isn't going to right turn on you but you're right it's they're they're quote-unquote friends their neighbors their mm-hmm. co-workers all these people just turned on them and like burn their house down and all yeah. them in it and everything and it's just like people get crazy mm-hmm. yeah and the only thing that saved them was the cure that dr singh had it caused the last men to show up at their house and save them from the fire if that mm-hmm. hadn't happened they would have died and the cure would have died with them not that it's a good thing that you have to like grind up children to make the cure but that sort of like antagonistic behavior that like fearful reaction of the community almost sunk like all of humanity and they didn't even know that they were like doing that they didn't even know that like that behavior burning the house down because his wife was sick and they were afraid that he was sick too like he's a doctor they don't even respect the need of like a medical professional (laughs) that's crazy well, because I think when people get into situations like that, it's like backing an animal into a corner. Like yeah. eventually self-preservation takes over mm-hmm. and people don't think straight. And I think that, again, that was another thing that we witnessed over the last Very true. year was people not thinking straight and turning to violence over everything and going after the other and or like, the sick person Mm -hmm. or whatever because it's just easier yeah it's like somebody to target and it's that creation of like the us and the them whatever that means if it's like your family versus like outsiders if it's your community versus like sick people in your community like the way that those lines are drawn throughout the show I think is really interesting and it feels very sadly realistic yeah. That like you you could see people at behaving this way. We we practically did. Um, and like how scary that is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was that was another thing that was one of the things that I read about and I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't watch that because yeah. I think that would have triggered me. I hate I hate that phrase, but it would have triggered me. Yeah. And I would have been pretty stressed out over that because 
uh yeah i um sidebar but like during the last year there was a riot near my old home Mm -hmm. and i genuinely was in a situation where i thought i was gonna have to bail yeah um to avoid anything happening to me Mm -hmm. and that things like that it's just it's just too real for me um no thank you (laughs) like not what i want in my tv right now yeah yeah no i totally i it I think it's a fascinating show, but you have to be like okay with having it touch reality in so many places. And yeah, it that's understandable. <laughs> it reminds me in that way of The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm, definitely. Of like yeah, I could I could see that happening mm-hmm. if we're not careful. Yeah. And so that's that was a show that it was really really good but i had to stop watching it Mm -hmm. because it just it's too my my mental health can't handle that yeah it's terrifying it really is it's it's definitely understandably scary and that's makes it interesting but it also makes it like very tense viewing yes and, you, and I'm not in a place in my life where I can handle tense yeah. viewing. <laughs> you have to be okay so. with that tension and like if you're not, you're you're not. And like I think it's better to know that about yourself. Like I'm proud mm-hmm. of you for knowing oh, that you. that was something that you were like, I'm not going to just not going to handle felt, this right now. I felt really bad cuz I was like, <laughs> oh man, she like watched the whole thing and she said she was really good and I'm just being such a wimp and then I was like, you know what? No, I'm not. Yeah, no. I just definitely I just have come to learn a few things about myself and I just can't do that kind of story anymore and I'm like a big fan of the post-apocalyptic like genre I know like so this is I know you are this was like right up my alley and I was like wow (laughs) with like lost boy type like it had a little hook it had a little like everything mixed in there and I was like okay this is like I'm down to watch this this is interesting but I can understand the other side of it too where some people are like fuck no I can't do that (laughs) yeah no and especially when I was also reading about like later on um all the kids that are at the zoo Mm -hmm. yes that that seemed a little mm, upsetting but I think it's interesting because and this is Amy's story Amy is the former therapist turned essentially zookeeper um What I think is interesting about her story is that she was feeling extremely isolated, even though she's a therapist, right? So her job is to, like, talk to Mm -hmm. people all day and, like, have people talk to her all day. But she had this kind of, like, feeling of people talking at her and she didn't, like, just – she wasn't functioning really well in her life. And then the apocalypse comes and she's literally trapped in her office – for we're not really sure like how long, but it was a while at least. That sucks. Yeah, she was like stuck. She like lived in her office. Like she grew plants and like only went out for like groceries and she was like living in her office, which I think is quite the quite the metaphor. Well, that, that's also <laughs> pretty real. Yeah, quite the metaphor <laughs> for um what's going on. They created her for the show. So I'm not sure if she was created pre-COVID or post-COVID, um, but somewhere in there they came up with this idea for her character and i think it was genius she ends up finding the zoo the abandoned zoo and um after she like almost gets run over jumanji style by like a whole herd of elephants like (laughs) running through the streets yeah (laughs) um and she finds the zoo and she decides like that that is a better mental place for her to live so she lives in the zoo There are not really many animals left. Most of them like either broke out or were released or whatever. Like we're not really totally sure. But there's like giraffes roaming like through the West. Wasn't that a thing in um, I Am Legend? Wasn't there a tiger that was out in the city or something? Yeah, there was. So they're kind of like, you know, that whole idea of like nature taking back over is definitely present here too. And it's interesting when you think about the hybrids as like a way of nature taking over humanity. The, all the zoo animals that are like released into the wild and are like roaming through Yellowstone and like they, when they're on the train they see like a herd of giraffes and zebra just like running through the plains. It's very interesting to think about it from that perspective. Um, 
but she decides that she's going to live in the zoo and then she finds an abandoned baby pigtail is what she calls oh, man. what she calls a baby because she has a pig nose um she's a hybrid so i guess like her parents decided so she found penelope pretty much yeah <laughs> pretty okay. much um her name is wendy she names her wendy a peter pan reference very cute mm. um but she calls her pigtail which i also think is really adorable um and she she they her parents Wendy's parents left her at the zoo. She's a hybrid. So it like kind of makes sense for why they would do that. But she decides to take her in and like raise her as an adopted mm -hmm. child. And I think that's an interesting parallel between her and Gus because later on in the show, we find out that Gus is not Pubba's biological son. Right. He basically got stuck with him similar to the way that Amy gets stuck with Wendy. Like, you know, you, this child is kind of like dropped in your lap and like now you're responsible for them. So they grow into their parenthood and they produce these like amazing kids. Like Wendy is so awesome. She's like snarky and she's brave and she's smart and she's curious and she's really cool. Um, and I like the idea of Amy finding her purpose in life as like gathering up these hybrid children and like protecting them. And I found a lot of irony in them living in a zoo. <laughs> yeah. Because I thought that was like really, it kind of made me laugh the first time I realized like what was happening with her, like literally having this like zoo of hybrid children. Um, but I thought it was really clever that she kind of like rebranded the zoo as like a place of freedom for these kids because they're not safe outside of that protective like barrier. And I thought that was very clever. Good on the showrunners. That was clever writing to me. So, okay. Are all of the hybrid kids hybrids with land animals? We don't know. Because I saw the baby with the bird wings, mm -hmm. but, like, are there any with, like, is there, like, Aquaman out there running around? I don't know. That's a good question. Like, do they just live in, the, in like, the water then? Like, if you had gills instead of – or gills and lungs? Like, I don't know. I think a lot of the hybrid kids got killed, like, pretty quickly. So yeah. we don't really know. And a lot of the okay. humans died of the sick and just from, like, the Great Crumble. Um so we don't know like how many like are new children being born or is this a children of men situation where they're like aren't well that's that's what i was also wondering is like after that started happening did people stop having you know, kids did people yeah yeah i i imagine mm -hmm. they would because there are no human children being born and only hybrid children being born so i would think that that would be scary enough that everyone would just stop having kids and we would have like a children of men, like last generation of children are these hybrid children that they're actively trying to wipe out. So like that's going to be the end of humanity. We're the worst. We are the worst. The worst. Um, but there are good people like Big Man and like Amy who are not who well, like Amy sees the hybrids, I think, as like a step forward in human evolution, much like Bear and the animal kids. Mm -hmm. um, she even says, like Bear says straight up, she's like, hybrids are the new human. And like, we need to protect them and we need to celebrate them because they're going to save us. Not in like a grind them up for medicine kind of way, but in a, <laughs> in a like, they're the X-Men, the future generation. And like, that's going to be how we survive as a species is to evolve. If we, like, hold on to this, like, only full humans are human nonsense, we're all going to die, <laughs> which is clearly what's happening. She is actually one of my favorite characters in the show, Bear. I think mm. she is, like, a kick-ass, strong female character. She is the leader of her little, like, Lost Boys type group, like, her own little society. And she is thinking about the hybrids in a way that adults are not thinking about them. Most adults are not thinking about them. And then it turns out, of course, that Bear is adopted. She's adopted too. Everybody's adopted. Um, That's a theme. But her foster parents 
were the ones who had Wendy. Wendy is their child. So she oh. has a step sister, a like, you know, adopt. They're not biologically related to each other, but they grew up together for part of her life before they abandoned Wendy and abandoned Bear too. And they left. Um, and Bear doesn't even know that her sister is still alive at the end of season one. She thinks she is, but she grew up without that prejudice because she had a baby sister who was a hybrid for at least a little while. Mm -hmm. So I really, I want to see what happens in season two when Bear shows up and is like, oh my God, that's my sister. Mm -hmm. I like really want to see that reunion because I think it's going to be really sweet and I think that Bear will go to any lengths to protect her sister and protect Gus too and I think yeah. that she's going to become the champion of the hybrids and I, I'm here for it I want to see it I'm ready for it kick some ass girl she's a badass and she's really cool <laughs> um, and I also think it's really it feels really realistic that she and Big Man do not get along <laughs> Like she doesn't, yeah. she doesn't really dig adults. She's like a little bit of a Rufio type character. Um, and yes. so every time big man's like, no, I'm the adult. I'm in charge. She's like, fuck off, dude. Like you're not any smarter than anybody else. You're not any better than you're just angry all the time. Like, shut up. You don't get to be in charge here. Like who put you in charge? Mm -hmm. You're in charge because you're the oldest. Screw that. That means nothing. Um, and I really, I like that. I think she is a little bit understandably so but she is very antagonistic towards big man because of his past which by the way i love nunzo anonzi that's the actor who plays big man he's mm -hmm. amazing he's wonderful i love him um but he was a last man when the apocalypse right. happened and she and it seems like everybody who he encounters i understand why he kind of roams the world alone at this point in time because everyone that he encounters is either like you're a last man awesome cool dude and he's like ugh, that makes me sick i hate it like that's disgusting or they're prejudiced against him because of his past because he was a last man they're like you're a murderer like you're a child murderer how dare you get away from us like you're not a human either and that makes him a really complicated character to me especially when he falls in familial love with a hybrid child <laughs> that's crazy it's it's we were talking about it being kind of like the mandalorian mm -hmm. where you've got pablo pascal who's like gruff and like like loner and he's you know like this is the way i'm just by myself all the time and then he meets this like special child who just melts his heart and then suddenly they're like a little family and he'll do anything and, like, you know, go to any lengths to, like, save this child because it becomes the most important thing to him. It's just so precious. And I love it. And it was a very cute story. I like their story as, like, the two of them together because it's so realistic to, like, being around a kid. They, like, exasperate you and you're like, oh, my God, would you just shut up and sit down? <laughs> but – they've got your heart and like you love them and you want to protect them and you want to save them even if you're not biologically related that's very true which i thought was a really smart way to take to like frame the story as one of like found family and one of kind of like learning to love and trust each other even if you don't always agree i thought that was really sweet yeah, I do like stories where people have the parental instinct, even though they themselves might not be parents, mm -hmm. like biologically speaking, because, you know, I don't have any plans to have kids or anything like that. But and a lot of the time I roll my eyes, no, they're annoying, whatever. But like, it's like you said, though, there are those kids that just like, enchant you mm -hmm. or something. I don't know what <laughs> they've got up their sleeve. But yeah, you just you just want to protect them. Yeah. And yeah. Keep their innocence. <laughs> and I feel like Big Man really admires Gus because he sees the world in a way that someone who's like really world weary and has seen the worst in humanity, like yeah. it's like he can't get there for himself. Like Big Man can't see people that way, but he sees them through Gus's eyes and things look a little different. Mm -hmm. And I... I appreciate that nuance in the storytelling. I think Bear has a, a ways to go to learn that too. 
because when she meets big man, she's like, he's a murderer. He's awful. Like he basically gets her kicked out of her own kingdom because she tries to like defend him and not because the, the rest of the animal kids want to literally like execute him for his crimes against hybrids. And she stands up for him and doesn't let him die. And they kick her out. They like exile her because of who she decided to defend. Man, it's like Lord of the Flies. It is. It is. It's totally like Lord of the Flies. Going on there. It's a pastiche of all different kinds of references (laughs) for sure. Um, But you know, like that becomes her family at that point, and she's like, "Big man, you like frustrate the crap out of me, but we're a team, and like it's important for us to get through this world together." For Gus, if for nobody else, they share him in common. And he is the the glue that holds their family, their little family together. And I think that's precious. Oh. I don't know, man. It got me. It got my heartstrings. I cried a couple times. It Well, that's that's good uh, though. Yeah. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I did. And, I enjoyed it. And- had the feels that's great (laughs) it's uh it's a lot and when like we found out that Pubba was not gus's biological father and that he barely knew gus's mom like they they knew each other for like they worked in the same place and like that was that was as much and they had a beer a couple beers together (laughs) got a little drunk one night at the bar and like kind of formed forged a connection and then suddenly he's like insta dad with like a child that's being hunted. That's pretty wild for his character. I did not see that coming. That's a good person right there. It though. is. It really is. And I also didn't see coming like big man having a hybrid child. No, I wasn't expecting anything like that. I was expecting him to be a former NFL star though. Yeah. That dude is huge. <laughs> he is really huge. Um, that's true. Yeah, it tracks. It definitely tracks. Well, and him having to kind of like, cause his, I found his character interesting from that perspective too, since you bring it up. He was a pro athlete whose career really like depended on like, yes, his physical prowess, but also his, his being loved by other people. And so mm-hmm. this idea of like his, identity and his success being tied to like society functioning in a way where they have like the extra time and the extra like space for someone whose job is to just entertain people much like an actor um he lost all of that in the crumble like there was no more professional sports there were no more like adoring fans there was like none of that was left for him i do like that aspect of these types of stories of like well guess what now we're all equal it doesn't matter that you were in the nfl Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you were a hollywood star or whatever yeah it's like what can you do now Mm -hmm. and how can you relate to other people to build your team or your family Mm -hmm. however you want to phrase it to make it through this yep yeah. And or I, are you just a guy who could play football? Yeah. Well, and I thought it was really clever when, like, both him and his former teammate ended up last men because, like, yeah. where can they go to get that power and that prestige? And, like, of course, they're big and they have, like, physical prowess. Like, that kind of leads them to this, like, kill squad, basically, because it's the closest that they can get to, like, that normal that they used to have. That was really impressive storytelling to me that they kind of like took that psychology and were like, well, where would you end up? Of course you would end up like doing these really morally questionable things because you don't think about it that way. You think about it as being like important and like mattering and like using your skill set to help everyone and to be like respected and feared. I thought that was, I was like, man, that's dark, big man. Like, dude, that I'm glad he stopped doing that for yes. sure. Um, and even the guy that they meet on the train, who was also a last man and a football, a former football player, he had a heart too. He was like kind of a like a nice person at the end of the day. And that was, I thought, really like shockingly complex that he like went down protecting 
his former friend and teammate and a hybrid kid. Mm-hmm. I was like, good for you. Oh, it, yeah, it got me. That was one of the moments where I was a little misty. Someone was chopping onions. I, I had a little bit of feelings. Teamwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really sweet. I don't know. So I was surprised, though. What were you surprised at? Was executively produced by Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. And his wife. Yeah, which I, I'm only surprised insofar as this was a DC comic and Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. is like a Marvel dude. He, cro- so, he crossed the streams. I was like, oh, is that like betrayal in some kind of way? Iron Man does DC. Like He waited until his stint with the MCU was over to produce this. He took James Brolin with him, too. Yeah, that was the other thing. I saw he was the narrator, and I was like, oh. Like, oh, oh. shit. <laughs> they're pulling no punches you're going the wrong way <laughs> it's yeah. true no i i agree that's um that was unexpected i that's one of the things that drew me to the show was that the downies were the producers because mm-hmm. i think that they have a really like them as a couple they have a really good sense of like really good storytelling mm-hmm. and they know yeah. what like what types of projects are a good story they may not make a million trillion dollars or whatever, but like they understand good storytelling. So I was on the fence well, yeah. when I saw well, the preview. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was another thing for me is like, even though if at this particular point, and I'm not to say that I won't ever try and watch it again mm-hmm. or anything like that. I just can't do it right now. But when I saw that they were all involved with the project, I was like, Oh, you mean people who actually know how to tell a yep. story are going to, are going to do this. That overshadowed the dc thing mm-hmm. for me cuz dc it, that was, yeah i was like oh man yeah. like but i saw it was a vertigo imprint mm-hmm. so and vertigo is yes they they have sandman mm-hmm. it's better sandman. the better side of yeah yeah exactly that's that's where they keep the good shit it's so true. like <laughs> I was a little bit more drawn towards it once I knew that they had some involvement, mm-hmm. but now is not the time. For yeah. Me, so you'll have to revisit it a little bit later. Totes. Well, and I appreciated that, like, we don't have. It didn't feel. I couldn't do Stranger Things. Like, that was not a show that I could, like, hang with. I tried. I didn't <sighs> get that one either. Yeah. I just, I didn't didn't like it i was like this this feels like every 80s kid like kids focused 80s movie that i've ever seen in my entire life just like smashed together and then like horror like i it didn't get the appeal i did it did not appeal to me so i was afraid going into this show about like kids in a post-apocalyptic world and it's like meant to be really uh nostalgic and all of that kind of stuff i was like oh no it's going to be just like a Stranger Things nostalgia factory. And I was pleasantly surprised that I did not feel that way, even though I could clearly draw really specific references to things like Hook and Steven Spielberg movies and Lost Boys and, uh, you know, like Lord of the Flies and like you you have all Walking Dead. You have all of these feelings that you know are there. You're like, this story mm-hmm. reminds me of all of these things. It didn't feel like it was just like slap it all together and make a show to make a ton of money. I refreshingly did not have that feeling. Yay. (laughs) And I was like, whew, I like breathed a sigh of relief. Um, It did fall into the Netflix trap of getting the story going the whole first season and all of our main characters finally meet each other in the last episode because – Gus gets captured and brought to Dr. Singh's lab as, like, one of the only hybrids that, like, you know, they, they're going to experiment on him and all of this stuff. And it turns out they've, like, captured all of the hybrid children from the preserve from the zoo, too. And, like, all of our main characters are finally in the same place. And that's the end of the season. <laughs> I was like, damn it, Netflix. <laughs> um, but I did really like that the story ended with the hybrid children kind of like all meeting each other if they hadn't met each other before and immediately like the best of children do in my eyes 
they're they see the similarities to each other and they're like we're Mm -hmm. a family we have to look out for each other like that's the most important thing because amy raised those kids the hybrid kids from the preserve really well to like be a community which is something that humanity at large is missing in this post-apocalyptic world they have no idea how to be a community they can't do it the sick has destroyed that ability the hybrids destroyed that ability. They can't work together at all, except for the last men who can only do it by targeting other people, which yeah. is terrible. Um, and I have a feeling they would turn on each other in a hot second, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they're not even really a community. Um, but I love that the kids, the hybrid kids, are this like really strong community, even though they don't personally know Gus. They immediately accept him and like hug him and they're like, we're your family. I love it. Kids are always better at that kind of stuff, I think. Yeah. I think once you hit your teens, you just, like, are a different creature, yeah. basically. Yeah. Although I've met some kids that are, like, really mean to other kids, and I think that well, is – that's, like, how their parents – Yeah, but – It's bad influence. I was going to say that's what they probably mm-hmm. learned yep. early on in life. Yeah, which is why I was, like, proud of Amy, the therapist – for raising these kids in a way that they like truly can flourish as a community. She like kind of understood that that is necessary for them and for herself too, because she was isolated and thought that humans were pretty awful. And then she was right. Um, So I like that she kind of was like the shepherd of these children to usher in like a new version of community in a way that it doesn't exist in this world. And I just, I felt that it ended on a really hopeful note, even though it was scary. It's I'm scared for all the kids, you know, and I'm scared for like the last men having them all at their like, and they have the formula that can cure the sick. And like, they just have to put the two things together and things will go really badly. Um, But I want to believe that like, these kids are going to be the saving grace of the world. I think that's what we were supposed to get from the end of the season. <laughs> I don't know. Ah! It got my heart for sure. <laughs> How many antlers would you give this? <laughs> I think I would give it like four antlers and then like a little baby Gus size antler, like four big antlers and then like a Gus size antler. Um, I do think the pacing of the story was like a little bit tough at times where it did that thing where it was like bouncing around between so many different stories to get us involved in all of these characters lives and like bouncing back and forth between the past and the present that I got a little, I was like, okay, the pacing here is a little crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a little bit tough for me. Um, and the, the. I feel like Netflix could have put a little bit more money on the special effects because you've got okay. all these like hybrid children and the like star hybrid children, the like key people like Gus and Wendy, their animation, their like computer generation was really good. But they had this whole crew of children, like you mentioned, the kid with the wings and like mm-hmm. the kid with the scales. And I felt like some of them were a little chintzy. The porcupine kid looked pretty unfortunate. <laughs> they were a little bit. Also, that child's poor mother. Yeah. Well, yeah. I hope it was a C-section. I'm sorry for you, mom. Oh. <laughs> um, and I did not understand the little kid. His name escapes me. Who was like a gopher that could talk? Oh. Um, I did not understand that care he's the only one that we saw that was like a child but was more animal than human it's like he was a reverse hybrid hmm. he like wore clothes and like could talk and but he was like a gopher and he hmm. was completely cgi and i thought that was really weird like just very out of left field i don't know what that was about so i probably that was one character that i did not really enjoy I was like, what is happening here? This is very strange. Um, so, yeah. There were a few things that I would change or maybe I'm wrong and I just need to 
like accept that it's going to be important later. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but other than those few things, I think it was really good. And it, uh, it was a story that I would recommend to other people with the asterisk that like it is very real and you have to like test yourself with the first episode. And if you can get through it and you're like, yes, I want to watch more, then I say watch the whole season. But if you're like, oh, that was a lot. Like my, my, you know, like I feel icky right now. Don't do it. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I think that's. It's okay to step away from stuff that you aren't ready totally for. totally okay. Yeah. It'll be there. It's a Netflix original. So it's not going to leave Netflix in like a month. You got time to go back to it when you're in a different place or like when your relationship to the material feels different. Mm -hmm. And I think that is totally fine. Yeah. Well, what are we going to talk about next time? Next time we are going to go, we're throwing it way back to the origin of our, of our podcast, the thing that brought us together. Um, we realized that we have like two seasons of Supernatural that we haven't covered yet in an episode. So we're going to hop back on that bandwagon and we're going to review and recap season 13. We're so close. And that I've actually watched. And that we both actually watched more than once. Um, Repeatedly. So, <laughs> right? So we will be recapping the the Jack and Mary season <laughs> of Supernatural. Yay, I um, like Jack. Yes, I like Jack too. So we'll try to keep it spoiler free for seasons 14 and 15, but no promises for 1 through 12 since we'll be reviewing season 13 and everything before that is fair game. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah. um, so we'll be back in two weeks with that extravaganza. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. To... I'm, ex I'm, yeah. I'm here for it. It's like a hug. It's like revisiting a family member to get the best hug ever. It's always it fun. Is. Oh, it is. I'm excited. So. All right. Well, until then, goodbye. Bye.